0: welcome to the south cliff podcast we're glad you've joined us now here's senior pastor dr carol Marr with this week's sermon well it is good to be with you today we're going to continue in fact actually wrap up our uh, series on prayer and i've been in a series and i just got to looking back to my notes we've been about 12 weeks in this series on prayer Uh, Talking about the school of prayer, never really thought that it would be this long, but I did warn you on the first day that this is a series of messages that's really about me, not you. It's a journey that I'm on to learn how I can grow in my relationship with the Lord. And though I've walked with the Lord and been a pastor over 40 years um, I just come to that place where sometimes our relationship with God can become stale and routine, and and I just want it to be vibrant and alive. And, and I was reading in the book of Luke in chapter 11, and and I came across that passage of Scripture where, where Jesus had been praying, and as he turned from his prayer, the disciples, having seen that and having witnessed him praying so faithfully so often, they said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray, like John's disciples taught him. And I really stopped and looked at that verse for a moment and thought through that, and and, and it struck me that that they weren't saying, Lord, teach us how to pray. They already knew how to pray. They were Jews, they prayed three times a day. They had grown up being taught how to pray. So if they're not asking Jesus to teach them how to do that, what, what were they asking? I think what they were saying was, Teach us how to do that, what you just did. Teach us how to pray like, like you pray, because we don't pray like you pray. I mean, we pray, but we don't seem to connect with God like you do. We don't seem to see the results of our prayers like you do. Teach us how to do that. And and in that moment, as I was looking through that verse, I, I just. Felt compelled to say, as the disciples did, Lord, would you just teach me how to do that? I want to pray like that. And so that's where we've been on this journey in what I've called the school of prayer. And and I believe we've called it the school of prayer because I believe that prayer is a progression. And as we first come to know Christ, we're brand new, we're babies in Christ, and and we begin by praying preschool prayers. And I think one of the problems is that many of you have walked with the Lord for years and years and years, but you're still praying preschool prayers. You've not matured in your prayer life. You've learned a lot about God. You've learned a lot about the Bible. You've learned a lot about living the Christian life. But even though you've learned that, it's still a struggle to you and it's still frustrating because I believe your prayer life hasn't followed in maturity and so we've talked about what does it look like to pray a preschool prayer and, and an elementary prayer where Jesus taught his disciples with what we refer to as the Lord's Prayer, really a better word for it is a model prayer when Jesus said, whenever you pray, pray this way. We talked about middle school and the challenges there and, 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 and how that we better learn to pray in the name of Jesus. What does it mean when he says, if you'll pray in my name, and the power associated with it. And then we talked about when we move into high school, my goodness, the challenges of life, and and, and we are bombarded by an enemy. And if you're gonna survive, you better learn how to pray warfare prayer. And if you don't learn that, listen, the enemy will take you out. And some of you, he has taken you out years ago. You gave up on prayer years ago because you prayed, you asked God to do something, he didn't do it, and you're done you think it doesn't work or it doesn't work for you. Or you believe the lie that well, I'm not like the pastor or somebody else and they they can pray and God answers but not me. And then we talked about even as we go into college and we continue to grow in that warfare experience how Satan sets traps in our lives and there are strongholds and things that we fight with that we can never seem to get a handle on. We can never really overcome. Some of you have been fighting the same sin all your life and we discovered that that's a stronghold and we have been given the ability through prayer to pray against those strongholds, to see those fall. And then last time we were together, the last couple of weeks, we talked about that maturity as we grow on into maturity in our walk with God that, that as a believer, we have a tendency as we become mature in our prayers, we pray more for other people than we do ourselves. We are certainly walking with the Lord and seeing God do things in our lives and God begins to bring other people to our mind and and other people to our heart. And I, I know that I am living the life I am living on the prayers of people who have prayed for me. People that prayed long ago for me and God is still answering those prayers. And so we talked about intercessory prayer. What does it look like? We talked about on the 4th of July, how do you pray for your nation? What does that look like? How do we pray for each other? We talked about last week. Well, today, I want to kind of sum all that up. Now, we're going to finish this series on prayer, but I I may revisit it from time to time. I'm still on a journey to figure this out. And so from time to time, as I learn something, I might kind of interrupt the series and say, hey, back to the school of prayer, because I want you to understand this. You never graduate from this school. You never learn it all. We're on a a journey to learn more and more about our walk with God. So today what I want to do in in this final moment, I want to look at two conditions of prayer. So no no matter where you are in in your level of maturity, these two conditions of prayer matter. Two things will determine... (coughs) The answer to your prayer, any prayer you pray. Now, here are the two things. The prayer that you pray, and we have spent 12 weeks talking about the prayer and what that prayer looks like. But today, I want to spend some time talking about the second condition, which is the prayer, the pray-er. Not just the prayer, but the pray-er, the person... Praying, You see, no matter how desperate our cry and how strong our faith, a prayer outside the will of God is absolutely destined to fail. Prayer is not about getting man's will done in heaven. It's about getting God's will done on earth. So when I say prayer, I mean you, the person praying. It's it's really the life of the person praying. As I've said to you before, prayer is is more than a petition. It really is a position that we have. And, And for an effective prayer life, I think it's more about being than it is about doing. And I think that's the hang up for many of us. You know it is possible to do many good things for God and not be right with him in your personal relationship. Did you know that? Did you know it's possible for me to preach a sermon and not be right with God in my own heart? And God will honor his word and you'll be blessed and you'll be encouraged, not because of me, because of his word and the truth of his word. That's the reason why sometimes it's so confusing. You can hear about a pastor who has a moral failure and you think to yourself, how can that be? That guy was preaching and teaching. Because you can teach and you can preach and not be right with God. You can serve in the church and not be right with God. You know that because you do that, right? Many of you have places of service and responsibility, but every time you're serving doesn't mean that you're right with God. Sometimes your heart's far from God. Sometimes you're living a life of disobedience, but you show up and you do your part and you do your thing and you put on a smile. And, and, and the reason why it's possible to not be right with God, but to do things for God is because those are relationships between us, between man and man. And, and when it's a relationship between person to person, those encounters, it, it's, it's possible to not be right with God, but to serve Him. But I will tell you this, it is impossible to have a vibrant prayer life and not be right with God. Because that's not a person-to-person relationship, that's a person-to-God relationship. Prayer is a person-to-God relationship, an encounter with an audience of one where everything is laid bare. He knows it all. You can't fool him. You can't pretend to be something that you're not. That's why James says the the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes a lot. Where we stand in our relationship with God matters in our prayer. So what I'm gonna do in our time together today is give you kind of some insight into how this works out. And I'm gonna give you two things. These two things open the door for our prayer life to absolutely soar. And they both come from the word of Jesus. And it's recorded in numerous places, but the verse I wanna look at today is recorded in John and if you will look with me at John chapter 15, I want to look at verse seven. John chapter 15 happens now after Jesus has been in the upper room with his disciples. He, he, he is now hours away from the cross. These are the last words, he'll speak to them, the final teach that he will offer. And it's amazing that in this section of scripture, Jesus offers these words, not one time, but eight times. So he really wants us to get this. This is really important, this is really vital. Guys, if I can leave you with one important truth, you're about to enter into a time when you don't understand what's going on, you're not gonna be able to figure me out, You're gonna wonder what I'm doing. You're gonna wonder whether I am real. You're gonna wonder whether I am there. And in the midst of this, these are the things that are gonna hold you. So look at what he says in chapter 15, verse seven. It's a familiar verse to you, you've heard it before. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now that's pretty bold. It it might be a misunderstanding of that text that has led you to give up on prayer to start with. If you pray and ask anything in my name, I'll do it, and and I've done that, and he didn't do it, but yet in the text before us, there's a condition. If you abide in me, and my word abide in, in you here he is speaking of a life that is lived in such a harmony with God that our request will always be made in keeping with his will and, and this kind of prayer that he's inviting us to is the kind of prayer that comes out of a of a kind of living so let, let's just spend some moments kind of walking through this and seeing if we can unpack it together If you abide in me. Now, I like the New American Standard translation of this. It it actually mirrors the old King James Version that says, abide in me. Abide is not a word that we use very often today. In fact, some of the newer translations will say, if you remain in me, and my word remain in you. And that's fine, the word abide does mean remain, and that's an accurate translation of it, but but I just kinda like the old word abide because it's one that we don't use very often. It's one that, that makes me stop. It's one that makes me think. It's one that gives me pause. And if we stop, what is he talking about here? What does he mean when he says, if you abide in me? What does the word abide mean? Well, it literally means to remain. It means to continue, to stay, to wait, to be at home. It means to remain And it carries with it an idea of living a life in alignment under his authority. It means to depend on him as our source of life. And in fact, the illustration that Jesus will give for abiding in me is the illustration of the vine and the branches. I am the true vine, you are the branches. And as the branch is to the vine, so are you to me. If the branch is connected to the vine, it gets its life from the vine. The branch doesn't produce the life, and the branch doesn't produce the fruit. The branch... Literally gets its life from the vine. Cut the branch off the vine and the branch literally dies. Apart from that connection, there is no life. So Jesus is saying, I want you to abide in me like a branch does to the vine. You are to draw from me your source for life. J.C. Rowell says this way abide in me means to cling to me, stick fast to me. Live your life in close, intimate contact with me. Cast your whole weight on me. Never let go of your hold on me, not for a moment. Now here's an important truth. Abiding in him is not measured by how much you know or how long you pray. Sometimes we think to abide in God means that I, you know, I I just need to spend all of my time in Bible study and 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 really know as much as I can and pray long and hard and and in in time-consuming prayers and that that's what it means to abide. But really, it's not about what you do. It's about who you are. It's not about doing. It's about being. And I want to tell you something. This this is really where we struggle, because it's where I struggled this week with this text. As I really first began to look at this and talk about how can I communicate it to you, what I kept wrestling with over and over and over again, I kept trying to find three or four or five steps that I could give you so that you can abide in Christ. Do these three things and you will abide in Christ. And I looked and searched and tried to figure out, how can I communicate that to you? Because that's what you want, isn't it? You want to abide in Christ, and so what you would really like is for me to give you three easy steps to abide in Christ. Tell me how to do that. If abiding in Christ, and his word abiding in me guarantees that my prayer life will soar, Show me how to do that. Give me five easy steps to abiding. Write a book, abiding in Christ for dummies. Show me how to do that. And that's what I wanted to do. And then I began to realize as I struggled over and over and never could figure this thing out, I finally got to the point where I realized what I was doing and I realized that wait a minute, I'm actually making this about doing, not about being. I I told you that it's not about doing, it's about being. And yet, here I am trying to tell you how to do it. And the reason many of you have never been able to embrace this is because you're still trying to figure out how to do this. I want to abide in Christ, and so I need to do all these things to abide in Christ. It's not about what you do. It's not doing It's being, it's the connection that he's talking about. The branch doesn't do anything. It produces fruit as a result of being connected to the vine. And it doesn't have to do anything. The branch doesn't sit there saying, man, I need to produce fruit, oh my goodness, and strains and works and goes to seminars on how to produce fruit. No, all the branch does is just connect to the vine. Let the vine do what the vine does, and as long as I stay connected to the vine, then everything that needs to happen in the branch happens. So how do I teach you to be instead of do? I I, I don't know. So I've come to this simple attempt Rather than tell you what to do, I'm just gonna give you four words that I think kind of capture what it looks like. And, and, and really, again, it's connected to that, that, that illustration Jesus gives of the vine and the branches being connected to each other. So the four words, I think, really kind of will begin to put us on a tra- trajectory to, to, to be what God has called us to be, and in the process, discover that we are abiding in Him. So the first word that I give you is simply this. Um, in, in, In fact, I think I did for my notes, these guys might be a little bit confused in my notes, I gave you two points. One is the prayer and one is the prayer. Prayer, actually we've covered for 12 weeks. Today we're talking about the prayer. And so here are four words that I think kind of capture what does it mean to abide in me. The first word is admit. It really begins with an admission that I'm a branch and he's divine and I can't do anything without him. It's an admission that my life comes from him. It's an admission that I'm helpless without him. In fact, as Jesus said it, without me you can do nothing, nothing. You are so dependent upon me, everything, you are inept, you are helpless, you are incompetent. You are inadequate. And have you noticed that in the process of teaching us how to pray, Jesus has been drawing us into a relationship with him that demonstrates that same dependence. When we talked about praying in the name of Jesus, what did I tell you that we had to do? What does it mean to pray in the name of Jesus? It means to admit that there's no power in your name, that I can't do anything in my name. Why am I praying in Jesus' name? Because my name don't work because I don't have any power, I pray in the name of Jesus. I have no authority on my own, so I don't come to you in my name, and I don't come against the enemy in my name. I come in the strong and mighty name of Jesus. He is able to do what I'm not able to do. Even in the preschool prayers, we learn who he is and who we are. In that model prayer, Jesus said, whenever you pray, he starts this way. Pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, I want you to stop, Jesus says, and just hang out here for a minute. You remember I told you at the very beginning of that model prayer, Jesus said, guys, I'm I'm about to teach you how to pray, so let me just go ahead and get this out of the way because I know you're excited to learn how to pray because there are things you want and there are things you need, and there are things you've been trying to figure out, how to bring them to me, and so you're all focused on you. So let me just say this before we ever get started, and I think it's critical what Jesus says. He said, let me say this up front. Your heavenly Father already knows what you need before you ask. So so let's just get that straight. Already know what you're going to ask for. Already know you can't wait. you, You hurry through the first part of the prayer so you can get to the part where you're asking. Already know that. I've already been there and I've already taken care of that. You don't even have to deal with that. So relax, rest a minute. There are some things I want you to get before you ever get there. And this is what I want you to get before you get there. Begin your prayer this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father who is in heaven, our God is the creator of the universe. How big is that? He's bigger than anything you and I know. He is a creator of a million suns and galaxies beyond anything. We are still finding out about this God that is described in the Bible. We're still discovering truth about who He is. Even in our own scientific journeys, it allows us to recognize we're just a tiny speck of dust in the universe that God has created. This is who He is. He is life admit that we are nothing, we have nothing, and I come to recognize that, but God says, "Hey, bring your nothing to me and let 's just sit here and hang out for a while. My wife and I had the opportunity to go to louisiana over the over the weekend to visit with her mom and and uh, check on her and and we, we always enjoy going back home. It's, it's fun to go back and, and just kind of as you drive down those country roads that we grew up in and every house holds a memory and every piece of property is, is a memory from our childhood. And so it's always nostalgic even as we drive home. But one of the fun things that we do at my, at, uh, at my mother-in-law's house that we, we just never seem to have the time to do anywhere else in the course of our life is we sit on the porch. Now, some of you don't know anything about that, but in the country, um, a lot of time is sent, spent sitting on the front porch, and, 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 and they have this beautiful place, and so we get up early in the morning with a cup of coffee, and we sit out on the porch. And the conversation that you have there and the, the, the feeling of being at home and the feeling of being relaxed and finally getting to a place where you're not in a hurry and, and, and you don't have good cell phone reception there, which is a wonderful thing. And, and so you're not constantly surfing the internet and you're just sitting there to enjoy the moment. And I think what God is saying to us is, hey, I want you to just enjoy a moment with me. Do you understand if you'll begin your day just enjoying me, just stop and think about who I am. Recognize how big I am. Recognize how small you are. Recognize that you don't have the ability. You don't have the strength. You don't have the wisdom. You can't make it through the day that you have before you today without me. Start the day by admitting, God, I need you, just like that branch needs the vine. Acknowledge your dependence on him. The second word, acknowledge your dependence on him. Acknowledge that everything you have is a gift from him. That anything you accomplish is because he does it. God, you are the one who guides. You're the one who directs. You're the one who strengthens me. Every part of the prayer process that we have learned is to help the prayer get to the place where we understand that we are dependent upon him. Your will be done. God, I surrender to you today. Give us this day our daily bread. God, I can't make it through the day without you. I acknowledge that you're the one that gives me all that I need. And so, you know what? As I face the day today, I'm gonna go ahead and thank you that you're gonna give me everything I need today to make it through the day. I don't have to worry about what's gonna happen. You're already there. You have already provided for me. I'm going to rest in you. I'm just a branch. You're the vine. And if I rest in you and you give me life and you give me power and you give me wisdom and you give me guidance and you, so I just acknowledge that I am depending on you. I admit I have nothing, (coughs) and I acknowledge that I am depending on you, asking God that anything that needs to be accomplished, you'll accomplish through me. The third word that I would give you is accept, so I have to admit and acknowledge, and and I'm not giving you these things to do. I'm just saying that we are just to hang out with him, and in the process of spending time with God in the moment of the day, to carve out that moment. We've talked about the importance of having a place and a time for our prayer. Remember that? We learned that in, in, in elementary school. Jesus said, when you pray, what he was saying is, you need to have a time. I need to be on your schedule. I need to be on your calendar because I know you. If I'm not on your schedule, you'll never get around to it. If I'm not on your calendar, it'll never happen. So when you pray, pray this way, we have to have that time. And go into a closet and shut the door. You need to have a place to pray, to meet me. And would you just go and and without an agenda, At first, I know you've got things you want to talk to me about, and I know there are needs in your life. I already know that, but would you, before you get to that, just hang out with me for a minute. You you see, the reason God's telling us that is not because he needs you. He's telling you that because you need him. This is for you. If you'll hang out with me for a minute, I will give you life. I'll breathe life into you. I'll give you confidence. I'll give you faith. I'll give you trust. I'll give you strength. I'll give you wisdom. So admitting I I need you, acknowledging, God, I'm dependent upon you, accept Jesus as your supply. Recognize that not only do I need you and, and I'm sitting here today because I need you, I accept you as my supply. You are my strength. Jesus, the challenges that I am facing today, I accept your strength as I confront those challenges. God, I accept and receive your wisdom as I walk in to this day. I accept your power over temptation as I walk into the day. I accept your joy. You said you would give me joy, and I receive your joy today. And I choose to walk in it continually. In other words, I trust you I live like you are my strength. Maybe if, if, if I were, I, I could have brought a glove to illustrate this. I'm just thinking of it. To put a glove here and lay it there and say, this is represented by simply saying, God, this is my life, this glove. And it can't do anything. But if you put your hand in that glove, that life suddenly comes alive and I can do all things through Christ who is in me and strengthens me. And in the first part of our day, we make that declaration. Because in the course of the day, you're gonna think you're strong enough to get through the challenges that you get through. You already have. There are many of you that are here today and many of you that are listening, you had not even prayed today, not once. You had not spent any time with God today. You know what that says? That ultimately says is you don't think you need him. You've got this. You can handle it in your own power. That's when Jesus is saying, No, 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 wait. You need to abide in me, guys. Like the vine produces life for the branch. And then the the, the 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 fourth word is act. Act on the life that Jesus gives. As we can see, abiding is not just a passive thing. He's the one who produces fruit through us as we yield to him and live. It brings me back to something that I said to you in the course of our prayer time together. We need to live like he can do anything. Live like he can do anything. Understand he might and pray like he will. And when we do that, we act on what we've heard. Well, then the final part of this, and we're done. Abide in me, and if my word abides in you. Now, the reason I don't have to spend a lot of time here is because you like this one. It is about doing. And so there are lists that we can follow. And so this one kind of fits. The other one was kind of weird for us to wrap our minds around, but we have to. But this one fits a little bit better in, in the way we think. He said, but if my word abides in you, and, and the word abide, literally the, the concept there, can, can, it can be translated dwell. The word dwell means to settle down and be at home. Uh, I, I love the illustration of the word dwell. is illustrated by watching a dog lay down. Have you ever watched a dog lay down? It's interesting, most of the time, the dog didn't just walk in a room and lay down. Most of the time, what do they do? They walk in the room and they'll turn around. And sometimes they'll turn around again. And sometimes they'll turn around again before they lay down. It it, kind of goes back to that instinct time of just kind of padding out a place in the the forest or in the high grass to lay down. And it carries with it the idea of settling down to be at home. It's the picture of that old lazy boy recliner that just fits you. It's ugly and it needs to be replaced but you fight because you don't want it replaced because it just fits you when you sit in it and you sit down and and you settle down to be at home. And you know what he's saying? Let my word settle down and be at home with you. In the book of Hosea when God is talking through the prophet to the nation of Israel, this is one of the complaints he has against them. He said, my problem with you is that my word has become a stranger to you. A stranger in Israel was welcome in the land, but they had no say so in what went on there. They had no vote in what happened. They're welcome. And you know what he's saying? You have welcomed the Word of God into your life, but it has no say so in the way you live. You say you believe the Bible. Well, it's like a stranger invited in, but, but it doesn't impact the way you live your life. And so what he says is, I don't want it to be a stranger. I want it to, to, to be at home. I want it to settle down. And the problem with us today is this. Rather than allowing the Word of God to be at home in our heart, we have made our heart a hotel. And the Word of God is welcome in our heart on Sunday morning for about an hour. And then it checks out, and we live the rest of our week without it. Jesus said, guys, there's a connection between praying and my word, because it is in my word that you know me. It is in my word that I speak to you. It is in my word that you can access the power that is vibrant in and available to you. Prayer and God's word go hand in hand. The stronger we are, the stronger one is, the stronger the other is. And so with that in mind, let me just give you again some words to capture what needs to be happening with you and this book. First of all, read it. Read it. And let me just give you some words with regard to reading the word of God regularly. You need to be in this every day. And don't give me all this, I don't have time for it. You know what I've discovered? You've got time for the things you want to do. You really do. It's amazing how all of a sudden if I really want to do something, it, it finds its way into my schedule. Read it regularly. Now, let me tell you a secret to reading it regularly. Don't read chapters at a time, just read a paragraph or two. You don't have to read a whole book. Don't get so bogged down that, that you don't have time for it. Just read a paragraph. Most of the newer translations are in paragraph forms, and you can read a paragraph. And sometimes you read a paragraph, well, that's not enough. It's kind of, I'm stopping in the middle of a thought. Well, go ahead to the next and, and until you come to a stopping point and stop. But, but read it regularly. Secondly, read it alert. Don't just read the Bible just to get it out of the way, let me hurry up and do it, but be alert. Recognize it. God wants to meet you there. This is where he's meeting you. And there's something he wants to say, and I wanna be alert, I wanna hear it. What is it that you might be communicating to me through that? Read it regularly, read it alertly, read it systematically. By systematically, I mean don't just open it anywhere and read, read systematically, read through a book, Follow a reading plan. There are so many options that are available to us today that there's no excuse. You can read according to a plan. If you read according to a plan, you know exactly where you're going to be tomorrow and the next day and the next day. And I want to tell you what I've discovered. If you're reading through a plan, there may be times in your life that you're asking God for direction. God, I need direction in this area. And I pray and nothing seems to come. And I pray again the next day, God, I need direction in this area. And nothing seems to come. And God, I need direction in this area. And by the third day, guess what? In my systematic time in the Word of God, I'll come to a verse of Scripture. And as I read that verse of scripture, it's like that verse of scripture jumps up off the page and God says, here's the answer you've been asking for three days, here it is. And you know what I believe? If I wasn't consistently in the word of God systematically, I would miss it. God is saying, I'm gonna answer that, Carol. I'm gonna give you an answer to the prayer that you're asking today. It's coming three days from now when you open my word, it's gonna be right there. And so God says, yep, God, I need your direction. Okay, you got it. Tomorrow, God, I need your direction, you got it. God, I need your direction the next day, you got it. There it is. Read regularly, alertly, systematically. Read a variety. I I don't know if if you're like I am. I get bored sometimes, and I get in a rut. My mind wanders. And so sometimes I'll I'll read through, I normally use a New American Standard Version, but every now and then I'll find a different version that I'm not familiar with. And I'll read that just to kind of make the Bible come alive and fresh in my mind. Read it prayerfully. Before you read, ask God to show you something. God, show me something today. Help me understand your word. Man, we're at a part of this Bible that doesn't make any sense to me, but would you just kind of help me see something from what is being said there? Read it expectantly. Read it as if you know God's going to answer. And read it obediently. I would tell you this way. Whenever you read something in this Bible that doesn't match up with your life, then your life needs to change. This doesn't. And so often I'll say, God, wherever my life doesn't line up with your word, I, in the power of the Holy Spirit, choose to change. I'm not gonna change your word, and I'm not gonna try to make it something, say something that it doesn't. If my life doesn't measure, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you to change me. And as you begin to do that, you will abide in in his word. You are going to become comfortable and at home with this book. And When you settle down and are at home with this book, and you settle down and you are at home with him, oh my goodness, your prayer life will soar. Because it is not based on what you know and it is not based on what you do. It is not about doing, it is about being in our connection with him. Well, we've learned a lot about prayer. Now we can ask God to focus our attention on the prayer. And with those two conditions met, we're gonna see amazing things happen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the message you've given us today, the opportunity to look at this. Nothing new here, but stuff we need to be reminded of We get so sidetracked. We have an enemy that would just want us to to be sidetracked from these truths. He doesn't want us to walk in the victory that you make available to us. And so I pray, God, that you will enable us to to really come to a place where we know what it means to abide. We may have a hard time describing it to somebody else, but we know what it means to live it. And I pray that every person listening will come to the place where we live it. In Jesus' name, Amen and amen. From everyone at Southcliffe Church, thank you for joining us today. If you would like more information about Southcliffe Church, please go to southcliffe.com. To share a testimony of how God has encouraged you through this ministry, send an email to scpodcast@southcliff.com. at southcliffe.com. That's scpodcast at southcliff.com. Click the Give button on our webpage to discover how this ministry is supported. Your financial gifts help accomplish the mission God has given us.